What's up, this your boy Danny Boy, and you know I got soul. Once again, I appreciate your time. I uh, can't wait to get into this new music and just dig into your history a little bit as well. Uh, Want to get started, man? Going back to the early beginnings, of course, everyone knows you were signed originally to Death Row. I'm curious, like when you were signed at that time, what were your expectations? Because you were really young at that time. You probably didn't know a lot about the music industry, but like just talk about what your expectations were and that whole experience. Oh. Oh, wow, man. Uh, to be honest, I signed a death row at a very young age. Yeah. So I can't really say an, expect, an expectation that I went with. I was just excited at that time to be able to sign my first deal. It was my first deal that I was a part of. Uh, I was about 15 years old, and I actually didn't sign the deal until I turned 16. Mm. And, uh, man, I was just expect, expecting, I guess, everything that came from that, just an opportunity to sing and the world to know me for singing. That's really it. Who are some of the people that were, that you were looking up to at that time? Cause I know Tevin Campbell, who's, who was around your age was really Hell big yeah. at that time. Uh, Jodeci obviously is a big one, boys to Absolutely. men. Like who are you looking up to at that time? It sounded like you read my story already. Actually, <laughs> um, I was always singing with groups before I left and, and kind of really broke off being solo, but yeah. Jodeci, just to name a few groups, Jodeci and Boys to Men, Stevie Wonder. And at that time, I was a, like a church boy, really kind of moving into like the R&B or the soul part of it. Yeah. So I was more inspired by, you know, my aunt, she was a gospel singer, Dolores. And after I got out and, and started like really seeing the R&B side of things, man, I was Stevie Wonder, just anything old school, wow. crazy. Like I was really crazy about old school music. Wow. So you get signed to Death Row and... And did they actually give you a timeline on what was going to happen? Because Death Row just like catapulted to something we'd never seen. Did they kind of give you a timeline on artist development, how long it would take for your album to come out? Because that's the stuff we don't get to hear. Like, what was it from your perspective? Well, not really, because when I went to Death Row, the work, it, it, instant, it started instantly. Like, yeah. you know, when I went in, they were already working on the Murder Was a Case soundtrack. Right. Yeah. And the, the album was actually being mixed. And she came up with an idea of me being on the soundtrack. And he was like, no, nah, it's not done. Danny Boy going to put a song on there. So right. I was I, like, I, I immediately started working with DJ Quick. Wow. DJ Quick fell in love with like, like my music, took me under his wing. So I was like recording. I was recording before I had even signed a contract. Wow. I was in the studios. And to be that young and to be in a great studio, like the, the best of the best studios was more, uh, it was an experience. Yeah, it was an experience more than anything. It was it was a great experience, yes. And looking back at that situation, it's like, because Death Row ended up being this huge label, you're in it. Like, looking back at it, that must seem like another lifetime ago for you. Listen, I mean, even now, when I when I get an opportunity to to go back and think on the times that I've had, or sometimes I sit back and see some of the stories, you know, previous to me coming to Death Row and then seeing the stories while I was there, you never really understand a, a picture or what you look like in the picture until you right. step out of the frame. You know what I mean? And I had an opportunity to kind of look back and, and, and it was an incredible moment. I was with some of the best rappers of the 90s. Yeah. Uh, Death Row was the, the, like to me, the Motown of the 90s. They were doing probably more than any other record label during that time. So it was a time of my life. 
Wow. And to look back on that, you know, I would I would never imagine. I've always dreamed, but never would imagine that I would have such a great opportunity to rub elbows with so many people. Yeah, one of them obviously being Devonte. You ended up going to Rochester. You did slip and slide yes. over there. Genuine is singing backgrounds, like because what's Absolutely. cool about that that experience? Like Genuine was an unknown artist at the time. I'm sure you rubbed elbows with like the Timberlands of the world, play that whole camp, like. I guess, yeah. first off, working with Devante in Rochester, what was that like? So when I went to Rochester, again, Devante Swing and coming up to Jodeci, yeah. Devante Swing production and producing and writing, uh, being an artist, especially at that time, everybody wanted to work with Devante. So right. he sent me down to Rochester. Uh, I had an opportunity to work with him. And when I got there, I, uh, he had a team going that was called The Basement. Yeah. And so that's when he had player. He had Missy and Missy Elliott and Tweet was in a group together called Sister. Yeah, Timberland was there. Magoo was there. And uh, as you said, Genuine, a homie Genuine was there. Yeah. And nobody knew who they were. They were just all these, all of us young people just working on records. And Devontae was building a camp, making a strong camp. And, yeah. you know, even during the demise of Death Row is when I started seeing like the Tim Timberland, Magoo, Timberland and Magoo and Missy seeing yeah. them really move up the charts and seeing them work in, the, in their craft. And that was an, that was amazing to see that I was around those type of people. You know what I mean? Like genuine, nobody knew who he was. And when we went in the studio to record Slip and Slide and he did the backgrounds and a yeah. lot of the harmonies on it. And then later on to see Pony out and him yeah. doing what he loved doing. You, you couldn't ask for anything bigger than that. Yeah, I think what's cool when I when I think back to like your friendship with Genuine, I remember like reading his first album and in the thank yous, he thanks you in, in the credits. I don't know if you realize that he said shout outs well, to Daddy Boy. I don't even know if you knew that. Well, but, you know, I later read I read that uh, yeah. later on. It took for me to run back into Genuine. Then somebody was like, man, he said something about you in the album. And yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't be man. I'm so grateful for that because a lot of people try to forget about you. Yeah, <laughs> but genuine has always been one of the realest and the true friends in this business. Yeah, I think one of the things he said in an interview with me a while back, he said that at some point there was conversations of you guys like early on, like becoming a duo. Like that was what Devontae was trying to push at one point. Yes, Do you remember for that? sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, you know, every time, you know, especially during that time, it was a couple of groups or a couple of artists that Death Row either tried to put me with or yeah. other producers kind of seen me with, especially all of us being young. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine what that group would have been like. I guess we would have been a little <laughs> ahead of time with what uh, Genuine did with Tank and uh, Tank and who Tyrese. else was in the group? Tyrese. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we would have been a little ahead of time if I'd have done that. Right. So you're working with these heavy hitters, DJ Quick, Devontae, especially with DJ Quick, because I've heard a lot of the stuff that you guys did. It didn't get to come out, but just the chemistry that you guys had, like his sound obviously is is unique and legendary. And then to add your vocals to it from your perspective, what made that work so well? What made it click? Listen, man, I never had an opportunity to work like that with Dr. Drake. Yeah. But, I, but if if I guess if I could imagine what a person who worked with Dr. Dre, their story would be how awesome it was and such a great experience. I could probably compare that with working with DJ Quick. Mm. DJ Quick is like so, so melodic. So like his producing skills in the studio engineering, like not only while you making a record, like I felt like I was young and yeah. DJ Quick took me under his wings. Like, and it was like, I was a little brother 
And he showed me everything that it took to be professional in the studio. Wow. Like I learned a lot of those things. And if DJ Quick heard some on the record, he always pulled the best musicians. He always pulled the best. And if it was a musician that wasn't available, I've seen DJ Quick walk over to a flute and try to play it. And, <laughs> and he put that sound and it might be like you were here. And he started off this do, 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 do. And after, <laughs> after he put that to a beat, that's a DJ Quick song. And I've wow. seen that happen, you know, with my own eyes, man. So, like, the, I work with the the Dr. Dre of my time. I would compare that moment uh, working with DJ Quick. And I'm curious, because you mentioned early on, of course, big on Jodeci, big on that whole hip-hop, R&B movement that was going on. But grew up listening to a lot of Stevie Wonder as well. So I'm curious, that direction that you went in, because I know later on you did, it's over now, that Babyface record. Like, did you have any input on direction? Was that the kind of the lane that you wanted to go in with DJ Quaker? Well, you know, as you said, you know, I was being groomed yeah. at that time. You know what I mean? Death Row, this is when artists was, and they had A&Rs and they would put them with producers and they would create a sound. And I think DJ was good. DJ Quick was good at trying to create that Danny Boy sound. Like he yeah. always allowed me to sing and be who I was, but it would always also be, along with old school music, old school mm -hmm. bass movements, right. old school drum patterns. You know what I mean? He always used stuff that always made great records. You know, he right. would use a, a pass from a, a dramatic album or some of the dramatics, or I did a song over with him by uh, Bobby Womack. Right. You know what I mean? He always <laughs> picked like the perfect artist to go in the studio. And if it was a remake, like nobody cut a remake better than DJ Quick. You would really think like I was singing on top of the real uh, Marvin Gaye track or something wow. like that because he he went in and made sure that it was that tight. What about that? It's over now, record the baby face record because that's a that's a big record. Listen. That's like that's like '90s R&B at its best, right there. Listen, who can say they work with Babyface in the right. '90s? Like, yep. <laughs> Babyface music is on the elevators and in the grocery stores, right? And um, I remember recording that album that that single with uh, Babyface. Suge was telling me I had just got back from Atlanta, Georgia, working with Dallas Austin. Wow. And uh, when we got back, I had a cold. And I'm mm. like, man, my throat hurt. And I'm not going in the studio. I'm da -da 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 -da. So when I got to the studio, she was like, just go over there and listen to the record. Right. I waited a couple of hours for Babyface to get to the studio. And I was trying to explain to him that, you know, I wanted to hear the record for the day. Yep. And, you know, I'll sleep with it overnight. You know, I had in my mind what I was going to do in the studio. Right. And I'm going to sleep with it overnight. And maybe tomorrow we come back. And he was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, well, you know, I'm a little horse. And he said, okay, so I'm going to go in here and I'm going to lay some guitar parts. And maybe you'll get over your hoarseness and be prepared to record in about an hour. Right. <laughs> and I was looking like, it didn't sound like I really had a choice. Right. So it was like, wait a minute, baby face say you got to get to the studio in an hour. You got to kind of pull it together, horse or not. Right. And I really wasn't my best, actually. Wow. Uh, I would say because I was hoarse. And to record that record with baby face, and to see the things, uh, the way that he stacked harmonies, the way that he did the bridge, right. like to be a part of that. And at this time, they was doing the Wait and Exhale soundtrack. Yeah. So I was already ready for like a Babyface song. So wow. Um, that that also was one of my biggest uh, aspirations and dreams of, of working with Babyface. And I think I'm grateful to Shook uh, for making that happen. Right. I'm curious, like, what was a, what was your day to day like at Death Row? Uh, from the sounds of it, it sounds it sounds like you were in the studio constantly making music. Was that kind of just what it was at that time? Every day, I think yeah. I, I think I am one of the most recorded artists on Death Row. Wow! When it comes to being in the studio and recording songs, I can't say 
all over my hits, but <laughs> I was in the studio, you know, me being up under shows like that, I was able to be in the studio every day, eight to 12 hour sessions every day, recording something. Wow. Every day. So where did that work ethic come from? Cause you know, as a young teen, like you are at the time, I think there's a million other things you could be doing, but you're locking yourself in the studio and you're making records. Well, that was one of the things about being around death row. I, yeah. I, I must be honest that the work ethic with everybody was great because it was so much great music happening and everybody always wanted to make sure that they had the right song or the next song to, 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 to match the previous material that had been released. Right. So it was like an inside competition for everybody. Like, you know, if it's the soundtrack, I'm going to do the best song that I could do to make sure my song on the soundtrack. Cause I know Sugar's going to put it on there. And I think every right. artist had that opportunity. Like we knew, like you go in the studio and record the right song, should putting it out. It's going to be out on the soundtrack. And that was just like a friendly competition that everybody had, right. you know, in the studio and that work ethic. Once Pac came around and you sing how Tupac worked, right. it was like, you know what I mean? If Pac can do five songs a day, you would be in there fooling yourself thinking you could do five. Right. And it never really happened, but <laughs> I got my one song off. I, it was compared to his his five or six that he had done that day. Right. But Pac also bought that 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 hard energy work ethic to death row as well. Right. So you're in the studio, you're working on your debut album at the time, you're featured on Tupac Records. Was the plan kind of to have you like working on these Tupac records and then have that introduce you to your debut? Was that kind of what the master plan was? I don't know if that was the plan, but I think, yeah. you know, we kind of look back and see how Suge kind of marketed and branded different artists and different material that he came out with. Yeah. Uh, I could say that he he kind of was sticking to a, a formula that he had. Yeah. You know what I mean? He made he 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 bought Dr. Dre to the position that Dr. Dre needed to be at after he left the N.W.A. situation. Yeah. And, and then he introduced Snoop Dogg through that same situation. It was like right. a piggyback. And from Snoop Dogg came the dog pound. And Jewels and from Jewels, yeah. you know, it's so it was like a piggyback thing that he would always get an give an opportunity to the next artist. Right. And it just so happened that I was the one that when Tupac, we gained our own relationship, our own working relationship. And I'm, I was always in the studio. I could be in the front recording and Pac would walk in and be like, hey, come in, come do some, come do something on this song. Da -da -da -da. You got to come <laughs> do something. So I end up being on, you know, maybe 12 songs and, you know, some of them making the album and some of them not. But right. I think it was being in the right place at the right time and the chemistry yeah. uh, that, that Tupac and I had, you know, was was amazing as well. Yeah. And the reason I asked is because Death Row at the time is super hip hop driven. And you mentioned piggybacking like Dre to Snoop and all that. But I always wonder with these hip hop dr uh, driven labels, like, do they really know how to push an R&B act such as yourself? And and I look at future labels down the road that are hip hop that have challenges, you know, showcasing their R&B artists. You know, when you look back at that situation, is there really anything that could have changed in the way that, you know, things were presented? Or do you think just it being so hip hop dominating, it was just kind of hard I, for, you know I what I mean? What, I think, yes, absolutely. Great yeah. question. I think what had shook apprehensiveness about releasing an R&B record yeah. was everybody knew Death Row as being this gangster label, yeah, this hip hop label. And I don't think Suge wanted to risk uh, everybody not knowing us as that. You yeah. know what I mean? Because <laughs> it, was, it was normal to me because even though we was recording, Recording these records, uh, even though we was recording these records, uh, Suge would ride around listening to the OJs and right, wow. Anita Baker and 
Bobby Womack. So he listened to our true R&B music. Yep. So, but but the bread and the bread and butter was, you know, the the gin and juice and the, the <laughs> yeah. how do you want it and the picture me rollings. That was the bread and butter. So I think it was really at that time, or it may be something that most labels be scared to kind of step into once people once they're known for something. Right. So, like I said, you're working on this debut album. A few years go by, and, and as a young person, I'm sure you're super impatient. You want it to come out. You want everyone to hear it because you've been working on it for a long time. Like, when does that frustration kick in for you? Is that early on, or is that like, were you patient uh, at that time? After after the death of Pac and, and Suge yeah. went to jail, it kicked on really hard because a lot of the things that I was used to was no more. Mm. Uh, all of the fringe benefits slowed down. You know, being able to provide as well as I was when Suge was out, and all those all those dynamics changed. So life changed, right? Uh, and I had to kind of be, you know. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> yeah. And at this time, I'm becoming a man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now I'm trying to understand about more of the business aspect. And yeah. you know what I mean? What I'm supposed to be getting on the business and it's not all about friendship and smiles yeah. and things like that. So the dynamics change uh, very great. It, it, it changed greatly. How did you kind of maneuver yourself during that period? Because I know it's like, you find out these things and at first you're angry, but it's all right, how do I proceed? And I know you were on death row for a lot longer than just that period. You were there for quite a bit of time. Like, how did you kind of manage your career at that point? It was very hard managing it because uh, of the other opportunities that came up. A lot yeah. of people were scared to deal with me because of my past relationship with death row records. Right. So a lot of, a lot of doors was closed, mm. but uh, I was able to do, uh, plays, musicals. Right. I was able to still kind of do shows and different things like that. And then it got a time where I had to work nine to five jobs. Right. You know what I mean? And that was very hard being on television and waiting tables. You know, when mm -hmm. your video is in the countdown and you, you're waiting a table or wow. you're looking for your next meal. So at times it got, it got hard, but you know what I mean? I enjoy singing. Right. And God has, God has allowed me to sing and he left me with the gift. So I think that's what kind of keep me going is that I get an opportunity to sing again. Yeah. Like, if, if you know, there's been a long gap, a, a long time in releasing records and doing different things. But as long as you got that, if you can get another song, yeah. there's another opportunity. And I've always looked for that. Danny, I'm curious here because it's like you go through your your trials and tribulations. And from, from what I admire most about you is you continue to push even to this day. You're still releasing music. But I got to ask, like during this time when you're trying to figure things out, was there ever a point where you questioned your own talent? Because there's the business side of things and, you know, you can't really control that. But the talent in itself, did you ever question that? Like, maybe I'm not good enough for this? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm having back problems. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. I've always, yeah. I've always questioned. I've always questioned, was it me? Especially when you go into a record label yeah. and... You know, they give you an excuse of you need to work out or maybe if you <laughs> did this, there was a lot of excuses that was given yep. in order for me to make it. So at times there was, am I too, uh, am I too big? Am I too fat? Or, you know, am I right. too old? And then, oh, my God, when I lost my hair, oh, my God, I'm really not going <laughs> to get a hit out. I don't have any hair anymore. So right. <laughs> there's a lot of things that definitely came up, you know, throughout that process. But, you know, as I said before. You know, I never lost the joy of seeing. Mm. 
I never lost the opportunity of going into the studio again and recording with great artists and producers. And, and I think that's something that always kept me pushing, like, man, I can get in the studio and hopefully I will get on a song right. and somebody will hear the hook of it again. And that's how you hear songs that I've done with Twista and yeah. Do or Die. And those kind of songs kind of help me stay alive for a while and kind of help me stay eating and staying on stages and standing, staying amongst my peers. Right. No, that's amazing. And, and then just to fast forward a bit, like I remember you on American Idol. I, I felt like I, I know there was a lot of controversy with that, but I felt like that was the perfect outlet for you to really showcase your talents. Like I remember those episodes. I oh, wow. remember you being on <laughs> yeah. there and it's like, you know, just talk about that, that those moments and like what were your kind of aspirations at that point? Um, well, American Idol gave me something that I hadn't had in a while. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? I, I, I left Chicago. I went to death row to a, a, a great label. And before I left Chicago, I was doing talent shows and stuff with the different groups that I was in. And yeah. in these talent shows, we would be judged on the movements that we made. We would be judged on the clothes. I mean, we would be judged. Right. And we knew that in this talent show that we were going to win. Right. And thankfully so. Almost every every talent show that my group did on the west side of Chicago, we almost won every show that we went to. So I, that became something that I kind of got used to, right? Mm, yeah. But you, but you know, things when things change. Um, as 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 far as when I went to American Idol, I'm no longer on television anymore. Right. And I couldn't go to them. I tried to go to them. They was like, "Well, you couldn't have a record deal. Or you couldn't have been involved with a label." So I'm like, "Okay, my name's Danny Stewart." <laughs> I tried to go around and my real birth name is Danny Boy Stewart. So I went around everything. Yeah. And the biggest thing for American Idol for me, yeah. the most was the most humbling experience to sleep outside with thousands and thousands of singers. Mm, right. And to be in the line like I'm like two 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 thousand five hundred and eighty-seven person in line. Wow. <laughs> and to make it in that, to make it into that arena, yeah, and to hear the Star Spangled Banner being sung by all of those singers right and to see how hard and how bad these other singers wanted it so bad and what they were willing to do to right. get that that's right. what i appreciated about american idol i was able to sleep on the ground i earned the little pass that they gave me right. when i went in there to see simon and, and simon and hear what he said i was excited to see what wow. simon and, and, and randy them said to me so that moment was uh, definitely, I, I, I don't know if I was reaching to be an American Idol, right. but I definitely <laughs> was reaching to get as many views as I can wow. at that time so people can uh, see me sing, man. And, and I made it up uh, to, I think, the top 12. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I, and, I went, and I went home, man, they found out that I was on death row and it was like, no. Oh, man. You, you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go, man. You lied. So, wow. Yeah. Do you do you think back hypothetically, like what could have been with that situation? Because you obviously have the talent, um, and, and by that time you're already seasoned in the industry, so you kind of know what to expect. A lot of times when you sign, you know, to a label, especially even after American Idol, it's like you're green to the whole thing. But you'd had already gone through all of that, so I feel like that would have been an advantage for you. Oh wow! I looked. I looked for everything that I thought was going to come with the American Idol. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I think Jennifer Hudson, shout out to Jennifer Hudson. Yep. Uh, it wasn't about who won. Yeah. It was about who got on the show and really did and show their talent and show being great. Yep. Uh, Jennifer Hudson didn't win that year, but, you know, look at Jennifer Hudson with the, an Emmy, with a Grammy, yeah. you know, and she's still singing today. Right. And uh, I, I, I thought 
you know, that's what I was reaching for within that show. And and when I went to the show, it was early on with, right. with uh, American Idol. It wasn't really a, the seasons was probably season seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I, I, ha- I was there before the show really kind of blew up and went into the direction that it went. Yeah, exactly. So Danny Boy, then after American Idol, that doesn't work out. You're not with Death Row anymore. You kind of are. You're in that like weird limbo stage. Like what's your next move then? Because those are two opportunities that don't work out for you. Like what, what was kind of your next move then? Oh, I am everywhere at this time. The American Idol, I can't get on American Idol. So I found myself doing backgrounds for yeah. uh, on the road for, for singers that I told you that I looked up to. I yeah. went out with Casey and JoJo yeah. and I sang backgrounds for them for about four years. Yeah. Uh, and that grew into a great relationship. Then when they uh, did the Jodeci uh, reunion, yeah, I, I did backgrounds on on the show for that. And um, I grew into going to do uh, backgrounds for New Edition. Wow! Excuse me for New Edition. Yeah. But my first background gig was for um, Tina Marie before wow. I even went to Jodeci. Wow! I sang backgrounds for Tina Marie, and I never sung backgrounds for anybody, man. You know, <laughs> but that was an experience because. You know, who didn't grow up listening to Tina Marie songs? And right. I, I shared some great stages doing that. At that point, was being an artist still on your mind? Because you can live comfortably as a background singer and just going on tour. Uh, so I, I could it, it fed me a long time. I can't say that I was comfortable because yeah. when you are a lead singer, you want to sing. You always dream of yourself up in the front singing. Yeah. But again, that was something that I knew was a humbling stage that it was time for me to be the background person and be in the background. And I learned so much. Right. I learned so much about touring. I had an opportunity to really go on tour. If it wasn't for Jodeci and uh, Casey and Jojo put me on a tour. Yeah. Or I hadn't been on a tour in a while. Right. So I was able to kind of do the training that needed to be done um, through those guys. And I got paid to do this training. And, right. you know, I appreciate it. And I look up to it today, like that. I still get an opportunity to do to do just that. I'm so ready to hit the live stage, the big stage and sing in the front ground and, yeah. and be able to do what God has gifted me to do. Right. Cause uh, I think what's really cool is in your time in the industry, you're going to have your ups and your, and your downs. But the most important thing is the relationships that you build. Is, is that kind of where, where the Jodeci, Casey and Jojo tour kind of thing happened? Just the relationships that you've built over the years? Yes, absolutely. So yeah. I got out and did these backgrounds, Casey and Jojo. So it gave me an opportunity to, be amongst my peers again. That's how I ran back into Genuine and, right. you know, different promoters and, you know, different cities, man. And it's crazy because you go to these cities. I've been to cities that I went to when I was about 16 years old for the first time. And I may have met a person. Right. And, you know, I seen that person again at 22, <laughs> at 31, you know right. what I mean? So I grew up with people on the road that I've met years ago that came out to see me sing when I was younger. And right. I can go to some of those states and they still come out to see me me you know as an adult and that's amazing that's the most amazing part it's like you build this big family in all these states and they come to support you for your music and i'm just there to do backgrounds but it's amazing when you back there doing backgrounds and people still recognize uh you for the work that you've done right i'll tell you a funny story so yeah. we went to a casey and jojo show oh this is years back and i think that at this time jojo was struggling with his health his vocals weren't you know, what they had used to be. And I think you were singing backgrounds at the time and you were singing your butt off and we couldn't put two oh, wow. and two together. We're like, who the heck is that background singer? Oh, wow. He sounds, he sounds <laughs> wow, familiar. And, and it was just like, wow. And I, it turns out it was you. I was like, that's crazy. Wow. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. So that, uh, uh, During those challenging times, man, it, was, it wasn't hitting. 
Jojo has always been my friend. Yeah. I love Jojo. And and if Jojo was sick at times and he couldn't do anything out on the stage, yeah. he had a thing where he could look at me and say, I DB with his eyes. <laughs> right. And I would I would make sure that he's tight. So, you know, the and, and come on, Jojo is one of the baddest singers oh, yeah. from the nineties. Yep. So absolutely. to be able to cover for him or to be able to kind of fill in sometimes, that guy got, got that that's an award in itself. Right. No, absolutely. So we fast forward to today. I, I know aside from the music, you're also in the restaurant business. Uh, just talk a yes, little I bit know. about that. Okay. So um, I have a restaurant now in Chicago, Old Danny Woods, yeah. 1247 Southwestern. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's a kiss of culture. Uh, what do I mean by that? I have burgers like uh, Five Guys, wings like Wingstop. Some say it's a little better, but my burger, wow. I got a Tupac burger. Mm. So you can come through and get a Tupac burger. Or you can come through and get some Bernie macaroni. So I name most of my meals after either artists or people that I look up to. Um, uh, philanthropists, whether it be artists, uh, whether it be entertainers. And uh, it's been going great. This is my fourth attempt at the restaurant, in the restaurant business. Uh, I love it like I love the stage. Wow. Um, and and, uh, and it's it's been going pretty well. There's, there's always in this business some some hiccups that come along the way. But I, I love this business. Wow. And of course, along with that is the new music. You just released a new single, this song. And I'll tell you what, Danny Boy, whenever you go on Instagram Live, I always click on it just to see if you're in the studio recording and you're always just like singing your butt off, which is refreshing to see. (laughs) But like, uh, but like, I'll be honest, when I clicked on this record, I kind of knew that you would be singing on it, but you just really never know at this point. R&B has changed so much since when you came out. And not to say that it's better or worse it's just different it evolves of course with the time but when you're putting these records together did you already know what you wanted to do well this record that i'm working on now which is uh, uh will be out february the 14th valentine's day yeah i have a single out that's called this song yeah uh, i signed a deal about a year and a, a year maybe a year and a half ago during COVID with a record company by the name of chicago creed yeah. an independent company out of chicago and uh, we've been pushing this single, this song. It's been going great. Uh, it's the top 30s right now. Uh, wow. We're working to get the song noticed everywhere. And to have that opportunity, again, like after so many years, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, this album happened, I can't even explain. Like usually, like I wasn't working on the album. It was COVID. Everything was working against making this album happen. Right. I was in a relationship. I went through a breakup mm. and it was like, usually when I go through a breakup in a relationship, I don't want to sing. I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to work. I went in the studio the next day and it wow. was like the producer and the writers was sitting in my closet because they was writing songs and presenting songs to me that kind of fit my life that fit either something I was going through or somebody that I knew was going through. So right. it was important for me to get some music done because that's what I think music is missing. Um, the love part of it. And love yeah. isn't always about happy moments. Right. Love is, is some sad moments in it. It's some happiest some joyous some crime. It's everything in it. And that's what I hope people see in the record that we put together. And it's about transparency. And I know that's yes. something that you're very big on as well. Oh, so I stay in trouble being transparent. So. <laughs> I know. Hopefully I explain it more in music. Uh, hopefully it's songs that everybody can listen to. You know what I mean? When people tell me that R&B is dead, yeah. you know, I believe that's a lie. R&B is not dead. I think it's just being tagged wrong. You know what I mean? I think that R&B is still alive. There's still great singers out that I listen to daily. Yeah. And I would just love to be amongst them, singing on the road with them, 
and presenting what I do as well on the same stages. No, that's amazing. I want to backtrack a little bit because I forgot to talk about the It's About Time project. I know that came out years later. That was a lot of old material that eventually came out. What was that like for you to, I guess, finally let the fans hear the records that you had created, even though they didn't come straight from you? You know, um, just what was that like? I, I know that was some older material as well. Uh, it was. Uh, it's About Time album was all of the music that DJ Quick and I had done and all some of the music that I'd done on Death Row. Yeah. That was never released. Um, I was happy about it, uh, not on the business end, I guess, but I was happy that that music finally got out because it was a song that I hadn't heard in a while. Yeah. So to be able to hear some music that you've done when you was 15, 16 years old, <laughs> right. you hear that at 30 years old, like it, it, it was a growing it was a growing stage for me. I had an opportunity to hear like, oh, that's how you used to sing or yeah. what you used to do. And then there were some records on there that I wish I could go back in and recut because mm. I think that it fit today. Uh, so it was, it, it showed just the, the, when you do great music and it's yeah. not just not me, I, uh, I, I thank Suge and I think that death row moment that I've yeah. done great records with great producers. And, and when you do that, it's just timeless. Right. You know what I mean? The voice may sound different and you have to go in and kind of change the words because people don't say different words. You know, it's, the, the wordings have changed, but you know, when it's a great song, if the melody is good, you could hum it out and people will still feel it in. Right. And I'm grateful to have had been a part of that. Wow. Uh, so we fast forward back to today. You're about to drop an album in February. New song is yeah. out right now. Yes. I guess with the industry being so different now, you've lived another life, you know, during your teenage years at Death Row. What's that? What's your mindset like now? Like, what are your expectations? Because you've gone through the ups, you've gone through the downs. You're you're in that rebuilding process now. Like, what's your mindset and what are your expectations for what's to come? So my expect expectations now, I am first off, I I am so open, right? Like to to all opportunities of singing and getting on the stages that I so desired for so many years, right? Um, at this point. I, you know, there was things that I searched for when I was younger. Yeah. I, you know, you wanted that car. You wanted that nice car and the nice jewelry and the big house. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I still want the nice car. Right. I still want the nice house. You know what I mean? I want those things. But I believe that if you get a great song. Right. I've always been a person that's willing to work for what I want. Mm. If you get a great song and you're able to sing that song on stages and just continuously work. Yeah, uh, I hope that this album brings me continuous work. Wow, where I'm able to do what I love doing, and promoters stay calling it. I get some acting gigs so right. that I can stay active in it. There's a lot of years that I missed in the game. Yeah, that I pray that I'm able to gain back. I don't want to get the years that I missed, yeah. but I do want to gain those years. You know, in today's time, and say, hey, 25 years from now. I'm like Frankie Beverly and Maze or like Charlie <laughs> Wilson, still out singing hard, people right. still listening to my music, people loving me. And the biggest thing for me is, is I hope that in this record, Black Heart, regardless of the interviews that people have seen, because people judge you by interviews or sure. maybe people judge you by my book that I have out, by the way, Stranded on Death Row, That's available right. on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, they'll judge you by the things that they read about you. Right. But it's a difference when they hear a song. And it's a difference when they hear you speak. And I hope the music exude exactly the message that uh, that I intended on. And that's just, man, bringing love, just bring a peace and great music again. That's really good. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I want to touch on a couple more things. I know you had a chance to work with Left Eye before she passed on Death Row. Yes. 
what was what was your experience with left eye oh man you work with tlc like you name it yeah. just like name <laughs> tupac uh or naming or naming uh tina marie yeah um i think that's mostly the reason why i named my book stranded on death row that i've had an opportunity to work with all these great people that yeah. has passed on it seemed like i was stranded around death you know what i mean that tina marie and tupac and left eye and yeah you started thinking the doctor you just started thinking about all these people but you know i grew up listening to to waterfalls i grew up you know right listening and watching tlc they was some fine sisters back in the day you know right. what i mean and yeah. who didn't want to date left eye you know so to have an opportunity to go in the studio and work with her uh is is, is another thing that i could say if i don't get an opportunity to record anything else right i've worked with some great talents and and some amazing people some amazing legends that will forever be remembered and to be amongst them to say that i work with them is enough wow lastly danny boy before we get out of here i gotta ask so we've talked about the history i know it's a lot more in depth than that but just to hear your ups and your downs you know this rebuilding process that you've gone through multiple times you know having expectations yeah. get shattered it's like how, how do you kind of just explain this all to someone that might be going through something that's close to what you went through and like just being on the other side of it i can see that you're happy you're positive you're still recording music there's definitely a mix of emotions as you're going through this entire journey like what do you share with the people about all of this wow um, <laughs> that's I a lot i know that I, it is, that's okay i can't yeah. say i don't have moments um uh, where my spirit is down yeah uh, because you know everybody got goals and wish that you know wish of certain things uh but again i'm grateful to still be able to sing and to still have an opportunity or people to still call my name or 25, 26 years later, after singing, I ain't mad at you to hear it right. on the radio. And people, if they don't remember me because of I don't have no hair, they still remember the hook. Right. Like that's amazing to me that like 26 years later that they remember me for a small piece. Right. And I'll take a piece of what you said, like shattered glass, mm -hmm. like a lot of glass have shattered that I thought that I was building. Yeah. It just took a minute for me to learn that even in the midst of a shattered glass it's still art right you know you may wow. not see through the glass because it's in pieces now but if you look close to the glass it kind of still look like man that look like diamonds on the floor it still look <laughs> it may cut you right but it still look it, it still look good and i'm saying that even in my looking good moments i'll still smile man yeah even when things ain't right but the biggest thing that helped me push through is my spiritual side to stay connected have some type of spiritual connection Right. I love God, and that's been the major thing that's helped me and that's wow. carried me through. I'm a believer, and I think that's a big piece of it. And secondly, man, just don't care. Like, I've gotten to a point, man, I don't care. I don't do anything to impress people. Right. As far as my personal life or anything, like I do my best to respect people, but not to impress people. Mm. And that that's more important to me than anything. Right. That's amazing. And you know what? What I hope, and, and I'm glad that we're able to connect now and just to see how the internet is now with social media and people are willing to talk about the bad contracts and not getting what's what's owed to them. I hope, you know, with everything that you've done in the industry, because you've been working for years now, this isn't your first trip in the rodeo. I hope you get everything that's owed back to you because like you've put Thank in a lot so of work. Much. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. And it means so much to me because I work hard. 
Yeah. And everything that I'm doing is for me, my family, and, and to be able to bless someone else. And uh, just just you sending those blessings. I promise when God do release it, that it'll be done and treated right. Absolutely. So, Daddy Boy, that's all that I've got for you. Anything that you'd like to add? Thank you so much. I salute you. Thank you for taking the time out and giving me the opportunity to speak on your platform. And uh, my social media is Danny Boy Steward, S-T-E-W-A-R-D, Danny Boy Steward. That's on Instagram or on my Facebook, just Danny Boy. Follow me. I'm always giving all my business out. I'm always transparent on my Instagram. <laughs> Inbox yeah. me. I'm going to answer. And my book is available, Stranded on Death Row, on Barnes & Noble. It's available on the download for the Kindle. And if you want a signed copy, contact me. And if you're in Chicago, come eat at Old Danny Boys. Come lick my fork. <laughs>